Welcome to the Faith Forward podcast series. Faith Forward is a grassroots network dedicated to bringing together leaders of ministry with children, youth, and families for collaboration, resourcing, and inspiration toward innovative theology and practice. Through this series, we'll learn from creative, forward-thinking leaders who are pushing the boundaries and reimagining what it means to follow Jesus' way of love and justice today. Join us as we instigate a revolution of hope in our world. Hello and welcome to the Faith Forward podcast series. My name is Dave Sinis and I'm thrilled to be joined today by Daniel White-Hodge. Dan is no stranger to Faith Forward. Uh, he's offered presentations at many of our gatherings over the years. Uh, and in our most recent uh, Faith Forward book, he has a chapter called Make Youth Ministry Great Again, Disrupting White Supremacy in the Age of Donald Trump and Michael Brown. Dan's a, an urban youth, ex, youth culture expert, and he's a cultural literacy scholar and the author of many books, uh, and his most recent is called Homeland Insecurity. He's also a professor of communications at North Park University in Chicago. Dan, thanks for being with us today. Dave, thank you for having me. Uh, this is great to be on. Faith Forward, I love it. So I love the title of your of your chapter in the new Faith Forward book, you know, mm-hmm. Make Youth Ministry Great Again. Yeah. It, it, feels like something that someone should put on a hat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But what, it, what it's very clear about is your engagement with um, critical race studies in relation to the practice of Christian formation with young people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I always appreciate how you do that while keeping an eye on kind of the climate of our broader society, where we are, where we're going. So I think I'd love to start our conversation by having you share a word or two about the current state of ministry with children and youth. Oh, man. Well, I, well Dave, again, thanks again. I appreciate that, you know, compliment coming from you as an academic yourself. Um, man, that uh, that's that's a really good question. I think the current state. I mean, when you look at just young people in general, um, I think young folks are thriving in many different ways. I I speak <laughs> as having a a a twelve year old going on twenty five year old right. <laughs> in the house, um, right. and in many regards, they're growing up without the hindrances, if you will. Even of my generation, I consider myself, you know, a Gen Xer, um, and. You know, just being able to talk about emotions and feelings, even as a kid, I, you know, I struggled with that and it really wasn't into my adult life that I really got into comfortable saying, oh, man, I feel depressed. Whereas it feels like a large segment of this population is able to already engage with that. Like, you know, Mahalia, my daughter, you know, has several friends who are transitioning and, you know, and wrestling, not even wrestling. I wouldn't even use that word. It was just, you know, just accepting like, hey, yeah, I was born a boy, but I really feel like I am a girl or mm-hmm. I don't necessarily identify as both a boy and girl. So in that sense, I'm like, wow, yes, amen, hallelujah, you know? I think where the vulnerabilities come is in social media. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, the the elusive draw to stay connected, um, and not even so much that as much as it is 
the amount of, of social anxiety surrounding likes and follows and the amount of arguments that happen, you know, online, because they're much different than arguments that I'm sure you and I had when we were kids. Um, right. You know, so I think in that sense, there's, you know, there's kind of those two binary worlds, like they're thriving at the same time, there's some vulnerabilities. I think this is a big population of kids. I think in terms of ministry, I'm not sure there's been a, a lot of folks, at least here in the U.S., that have figured some things out. I will cite my man, Phil Jackson, who's here in Chicago, runs mm-hmm. the house. Um, it's called the how, the Firehouse, and it's like a multidimensional, if you want to even call it ministry. I mean, they've got like classes, cooking classes. They get young uh, men and women certified to work for the city of Chicago, like for um what do you call it? Custodians and whatnot. And, and, uh, it, it, he's really doing some interesting, unique stuff. He's solo. He's not connected to any denomination. Really. Those are the folks who are engaging at another level. And unfortunately I still see people who are connected to a church struggling and lacking and like, Oh, do we invite LGBTQ folks in? You know, how do we deal with the racial issue? And I'm just like, yo, that's such a 1998 question in 2019. Mm -hmm. Like, come on. So I struggle with that aspect of it. That's a really important point is the, the, not only the binary of kind of the, the, the in-person reality, but also the reality of, of social network and kind of the the online life of, of young people. Um, but but I think there's a, that other binary you name of this the culture and climate of the lives of young people themselves, and then the culture and climate of the church. Yes. And more and more, I'm getting this sense that uh, you know, as as churches are still having those kind of 1998 conversations, like you say, about do we include LGBT folks? Mm-hmm. You know, how do we deal with issues of race and and diversity? Whereas these are not conversations that happen in the same way um, and in such overt, questionable, you know, that this idea of do we who have power include those who traditionally have not had power. Those conversations don't happen within young people's lives outside of the church. Yeah. And it makes me think that more and more as we are, I think it's great that churches that have not had these conversations are starting to have them. But when it becomes the talking point or the, the question up for debate rather than the reality of, of what actually life is. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, it, it sends this message to young people that this, this isn't a church for you because the reality of your life, um, whether or not folks identify, uh, young people identify as LGBT, whether or not they live um, with, with certain privileges, uh, it, it, the, the, the message it's sending is hmm. we have to keep having these conversations because we haven't figured it out, but the young people <laughs> have figured it out themselves. And, and it wasn't even something to figure out, right? Like it's right. this completely different climate. And you can see that in that, that generational difference in the church. Yes. Um, and, and it's something that, that I, I think is concerning for the messages it sends to young people about their role in, in established churches and denominations. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. I mean, you, you've, you've said it. I mean, and I think, well, I mean, I'll just be honest. I mean, in forthright, I mean, I'm not a fan of denominations. I mean, I come out of one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, was raised the strong Seventh-day Adventist, learned how to argue very well about the, you know, the Sabbath and the third angel's message and Ezekiel and Daniel. But I'm like, 
I, I really feel like uh, th- and this part comes some of the emerging research that I'm doing right now uh, in, in looking at ages 18 to 28 emerging multi-ethnic, you know, what I define as the post civil rights uh, generation um, and a majority of them. If I had to put a number on it, I would say anywhere between 85 and 95 percent do not want to identify with anything evangelical, anything denominational wise. Right. Now, I would say within that group, there is a strong sense, though, of spirituality that goes well beyond what we would, you know, the limitations, right? It's like, you know, let's look at astrophysics. Let's look at God beyond the European setting and stuff. And that, quite frankly, is pretty scary to to, to traditional church settings where you have the youth group and there's one youth pastor or maybe several. And you have, you know, where it's just designed around games and fun, which all have a part. Don't get me wrong. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's so like denominations for me, just I'm, I'm just not cutting it. Like even the school I'm a part of now, you know, their denomination uh, is struggling. Like, you know, should we excommunicate this church because they invited LGBTQ folks to their thing? And I hate to keep bringing up the whole issue of, of sexuality, but I'm like, that's such an ongoing topic. And most young people are like, dude, that's not even a conversation we're having. Like we're, we're so far beyond that. Like, again, I just engagement with some of my uh, my daughter's friends. And I'm like, whoa, these Cause I'm having conversations with them that I, I, that I would have with 19 and 20 year old college students, which is freaking amazing to me. And as a researcher, yeah. I'm always just like, uh, oh man, I got to go through IRB. I know, but, uh, can I record <laughs> this conversation? So that's, those are some of the things, but you said it, you, you absolutely said it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think climate change is one of those other issues mm-hmm. as well. And that's something beyond the, the, the church as well. But, you know, we have generations of people who, and, and groups of folks who are debating whether climate change is real and a generation that is growing up, not knowing anything other than climate crisis. Exactly. Exactly. And a generation that will have to face it. My daughter in 10 years will be 22 and she will be in the thick of it. Like whatever is going to be happening. And it's already starting to happen. Right. I just read in the New York Times that uh, New York is building this, what, 10 mile long wall to help support (laughs) rising seas and everything. man. I mean, not 10 miles, uh, you know, up in the air, obviously, but, you know, 10 miles (laughs) long. But, you know, that's kind of like where it is. And so my daughter's asking, like, what what is the next 10 years going to be at the the height and prime of my life? And she's already asking those questions. I'm like, dude, you're 12. Like, let's go. Six Flags or something, man. I don't know. So our, our first Faith Forward gathering we had seven years ago now. Wow. Uh, Brian McLaren said, you know, the, the, the reality is the kids that were in our youth and children's ministries back then, they're likely going to live to the next turn, the turn of the next century. And that was seven yeah. years ago. And I think of everything that's yeah. happened in our world since then, Yes, both, both environmentally, you know, socially, This is something that, you know, we thought at some point was like, oh, this will be a generation down the road, but it's now. And, and, and it's not just the, the environmental issues as well. You know, there's this ongoing social uh, and political shift happening throughout many different countries and many different societies um, where I, I feel like the work that, that has been done over the past generation or two is now taking some major steps in the opposite direction. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I see more environmental activism among 
you know, young people. I think about a good friend of mine. He's I, I won't name his name. I don't want to put his daughter on blast in a good way. But nevertheless, mm-hmm. uh, he's a national speaker platform. and He's built his platform around, you know, race and ethnicity and everything. And his daughter, who just started college, she's, you know, that's into it. But like her thing is really, like you said, the environment, like in practical ways, like, hey, these are here are practical ways. Her Instagram is filled with practical ways and how you can recycle composting. Mm-hmm. How do we look at building uh, sustainability within our, our agriculture? And I'm like, wait a minute. I wasn't thinking about that at 18 or 19 years old and stuff. And so you're absolutely right. Um, I also think, and again, not to get too like UFO or whatever with your listeners and stuff, man, but I also think that with, uh, so I, you know, I follow astronomy and astrophysics and all those things like that very closely. And I think with the James Webb telescope going up here in the next uh, year and a half, uh, I think, and there's two more other uh, um, satellites going up that will be detecting. They have the ability to detect uh, if there is life present on another planet. I think it's just a matter of a decade. I think we've we've been had the knowledge that there is life on other planets, but it's like I do believe this next generation will be that who experiences uh, first contact, or whether it's our detection of life on another planet or whether it's a signal being sent back. Uh, I'm really excited for the James Webb Telescope to go up, and I think it's 2021 uh, when it will actually be up and out, um, but it will be able to detect, you know, these, these exoplanets that exist on star systems that are not too far, you know, from ours and, and whatnot. And so... What happens then, right? When we start to do that, that, there's a second Genesis story, maybe a fifth and sixth Genesis story. How does this? How does that then change the the epitome? So, I'm not mm-hmm. sure if most, again, most churches connected to denomination are engaging in that level of conversation, which is part of the reasons why you know I continue to attend a church that you know is not connected to denomination. And it's not that I want to seem like non-denominational that's the way to go no 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 we we have our own problems don't don't get it wrong we can paint ourselves into a corner but i do believe the spaces that are able to move beyond quote-unquote sticky faith <laughs> are yeah, the yeah. ones that are able to really engage in a growing faith a dynamic faith um a faith that goes beyond just the answers of should i have sex or not um mm-hmm. is is something that's going to be palatable uh in in the coming years Right, right. And and I think, you know, regardless of whether one is part of a, a denomination or not, I, I think a lot of these conversations are happening on the fringes. Yes. Um, if they're happening at the, the, in the centers of our churches and our denominations, they, they look different. Whereas those yes. that the conversations and the work being done on the fringes, um, I think is more in line and, and has a better sensibility for being uh, connected to the reality in which young people uh, and, and people of all sorts of ages actually are, are actually um, dealing with on a day-to-day basis. When we were younger, you know, it, the, the idea of first co- contact being right around the corner, the idea of knowing soon whether they're, you know, or, or really knowing about life on other planets um, was so far, it was still science fiction down the road. Right. And the fact that uh, that we have to qualify this conversation with, uh, you know, we don't want to get too UFO-y, is, is just another indicator of this kind of generational uh, difference that we have to account for. And I think a lot of it also has to do with the, the issue of the power of power dynamics mm-hmm. involved in our churches and our congregations, uh, and the fact that young people have historically and continue to to lack power within our Christian communities. Yes. Um, that's something that, that makes me think of your work around hip hop. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, there's all sorts of great work around 
uh, hip hop as as a as a as a medium um, and as a culture that came about from the margins from those without power. Um, so so how do you see? hip hop as, as, uh, not an antidote, but as a, as a response in a way mm -hmm. to, uh, these kind of issues that we've been discussing. Absolutely, man. That's a great question. I mean, you're absolutely right. And I think for your listeners, uh, those checking it out, you know, you, I've, I've written a whole bunch, but there's also been a whole bunch of other folks who've written on just kind of what hip hop is. So I won't, I'm not going to take the time to explain, you know, in depth of what that is. I've, I've got entire podcasts on that. So y'all can just go look that up. But I think hip hop, right. you're right. I love what you said. It's not the antidote, but it is, it's a, it's a space, a genuine space. And which is what I argue about in this, this new book, book of mine, uh, that hip hop provides a space and gives you a little breathing room, both theologically, spiritually, politically, educationally. I mean, hip hop is being used in so many facets. Most people only see, right, uh, ASAP, you know, Rocky, you know what I'm saying? They only see uh, the Lils, Lil Wayne and Lil Jon or whatever. Mm -hmm. They only see those rappers and stuff, which is cool. That's that's part of the culture. But it's so much more expansive than that. And so there is a true sense of understanding, community of understanding the oneself understanding one's positionality. There's a true sense of, of understanding that our history is much more than what we have in our history books. And so hip hop culture and what I've defined as hip hop theology, uh, I think, and I would argue, that provides a great um, exit, if you will, <laughs> if you're looking at it from a highway exit perspective, uh, you know, from mainstream conservative evangelicalism to begin exploring what do these things look like? How do we then, like you said, empower young people to be yeah. what they've been called to be? And that's essentially what hip hop has done. It is a youth movement. But when it's done right, you're also giving deference to those who've come before you. That's something we as church folk need to take a look at. And it's something that I practice and uh, something what Phil Jackson uh, utilizes at his work um, that, I, you know, like I said, I, I think, you know, folks, again, listening, you know, check out the house. I think it's the house dot org um, or just look up Phil Jackson in Chicago, not the Phil Jackson who led the Chicago Bulls to the championships, oh, but it's just Phil Jackson. Um, and I, again, I think that. You're absolutely right in in getting this next generation to work and 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 putting them in positions of power where they feel empowered and not only just empowered like, oh, we're going to have you for youth Sunday every fifth Sunday. It's like, no, 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 no. I uh, this is on a weekly day to day position. Yeah. That's and that's going to require us. And I say us as older folks who you know, right. We got all these degrees and everything to actually step back and be like, all right, let's let them run it and and be a coach on the side. Right, right. And really empower them and unleash them to just uh, do what they do best and see what happens. Uh, across the research, one of the things that, that resoundingly comes out is that young people still want to be connected to somebody older in their life. They want a mentor. They want a parental figure. Or they want their actual parent to be involved. And, <laughs> and if you know this, you ask anybody who has a, a college grad, you know, we see nine out of 10 going back home, being connected and, and what have you. So there is that element, but are we able to actually allow them to live out and engage with the things that matter to them? And I can guarantee you, it's not going to be stuff that we think or that we that we were taught, right? You know, yeah. Seminary and all that stuff, right? That we were taught should matter to them. 
And that's a big thing. And I say I don't want to underestimate that because as a, as a former youth pastor myself, I can tell you that it's it's a struggle because you've got pressures from the parenting group that drop them off and say, fix them. Uh, you got struggles from senior leadership that doesn't really typically understand what the heck is going on over there. And then you also have just the engagement from other leaders who they have a picture of how youth ministry or, or children's ministry should be. And so, yeah, you're battling all those things. But I just think, man, can we cut through the BS and actually get down to brass tacks and what and what it is that we're actually doing to serve young people? Can we create that space? And it doesn't have to be, like you said, this exegetical process. Can we just go hang out in an amusement park? Can we go to Disneyland? Can we go fishing together and just do real life? So what would you say to folks who are involved in established churches that you know might resist letting go of of the power and and resist letting go of of the way things have been done uh and what would you say to folks who want to to kind of chip away at that and open up that space for young people to you know do their thing and and show us the the way to to live our faith i don't know man i mean i i i am struggling just in general to you know to, to, to figure out what does organized religion look like and what i mean that the professionalized sector of that so you know people who go and get educated and go and get mdivs or whatever it is a master of theology and then you know end up in some parish or congregation some setting i'm like i because just that training alone is problematic on many levels right i mean I'll put it to you like this. Here in the U.S., if a, like, for example, if a church comes to me and says, oh, man, we want to hire you for consulting. And can you, you know, help us with this multicultural thing? Because that's probably the number one request that I get. Yeah. I always tend to say who is in charge, who's in power. And if it's still white folks and going to remain white folks, then I'm not your man. You need to go yeah. find somebody else because I'm not I'm I'm done having those conversations. You know, and that's just one example. I mean, and, and I don't know, because kids often get overlooked. They're not heard. They're shut off. They're preached to as leaders in our own youth ministry that are just I'm just like, yo, you need to dial back to preaching a little bit. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're not young man or young woman They're It's it's they have a name. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's like stuff like that. I'm not saying we need to be in some utopia, but man, if you're in those situations, I just ask, you know, I'd have to say like, what position of, of authority that you, you know, do you have? Because I'll be honest, if you don't have that position and authority, you're just, your, your blood pressure is just going to be constantly up. Um, and you're going to, you're going to live in a state of anxiety. I mean, it, you know, and if you do have power, how much power do you have to inflict change? Um, because yeah. change is difficult to cite, you know, intercultural calm theory. It's like, man, uh, uncertainty avoidance to have low uncertainty avoidance where you're okay with changing the move is very rare. Most people live in a high uncertainty avoidance. I'm just going to avoid uncertainty altogether. I like the way we did it. Why don't we do it? It's and and it's not even on just the way things are done, but it's ideologies as well. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like people will revert back to, you know, oh, I'm an ally for LGBTQ. And, you know, but then it's like somebody says, well, I'm getting a divorce. And it's like, oh, those harlots and Jezebels. Like, well, wait, why did were you putting that all on the women and trying to slut shame them and all? I mean, so all those things play in. And I'll be honest, man, I don't know. I really don't know. I wish I had the answer. I wish I did. I think if you had gotten yeah. me even three years ago, four years ago, I probably would have been, oh, man, Dave, do these three. And now I'm just like, gosh, dogs, man, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what can actually be done with any level of significance 
especially, and I'm thinking about small congregations because, you know, large congregations where you have 300 and 200, talking to a youth pastor friend of mine, they were upset because their numbers dropped to 350. Oh, we're down to 350. You know, we were at 510. And I'm like, yeah, 350. Damn, you know, that's a freaking yeah. young life camp, man. That's a, you got 300. Good night. So I don't know, man. I really don't know. I, and, 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 I struggle with that. I struggle with those those questions because I know people want to know. I want to yeah. know, but I don't. One of the things that that highlights for me is the importance of this kind of work with young people because you're right, like with, with uncertainty avoidance, I mean, that's a really important thing to name um, because it, it speaks to, to we kind of go back to our first languages at times, right? Yeah. Like it's just like learning another language. We, unless we're immersed in it for, for years and years and years, we, we're always more comfortable with our first language and we always speak other languages with accents, you know, and it's the same with 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 our theological views as well, right? Yeah. The way that young people um, are formed theologically, the way they 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 uh, come to faith and and grow in their faith and and develop um, a faith that eventually becomes their own. Um, that's the first theological language, and we who have kind of shifted and made and, and moved to second and third and fourth theological languages, um, we, we still have our first one within mm. us that we can kind of revert to. Yeah. So it's important for us to, to help them develop a theological, a primary theological language and a, a theological view that helps all life on earth to flourish. That is, you know, focused on the work of justice and mm. the work of reconciliation and, and all that difficult stuff um, that is just so crucial to, to the heart of the gospel. That's just it, man. I mean, I like that, that language around, you know, the first language, first and second theological language. That's, that's a great um, capture of I, I, where mm. I feel like a lot of folks are at, you know, it's like we, we learn this first language and, you know, the idea of being saved and, you know, not forgotten by, and I'm just like, all right, yeah, 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 that's cool. But I think right. it goes back to part of what even Paul talks about, right? You know, it's like, you know, let's, let's move away from this kind of this milk theology and let's get mm. into the, to the real meat and bones and, you know, for vegetarians and vegans, you know, salad with a lot of protein and yes. And, 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 and it, it is, it's a struggle, I think for a lot of folks. Um, and, and that's where for me, when you ask that question, it's like, I don't know how much change is possible. I'll give you, I, let me give you a quick example. A large part of my career has been spent working particularly with white areas and white churches or schools or whatever. Um, and then after the 2016 election here in the United States, I was like, whoa, <laughs> some of the same folks that I work with, some of the same folks that I've been in, some of that I got family members. For those of you who don't know, I'm, you know, I'm in an inter-ethnic inter marriage and, you know, my wife is white. And so some family members, you know, we're like voting for Trump and like, oh, yeah, get this guy. I'm just like, wait a minute. What what the hell is going on here? And so I recently just had a text exchange with, uh, you know, an uncle in law of mine. He's a fisherman. I'm a fisherman. He has like a boat. And so, you know, we're going up to the, you know, up to visit that that area. And my wife was like, hey, why don't you reach out to my uncle? Blah, 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 blah. I said, OK, cool. You know, if you know me, you know, I like to joke around. And so I said, <laughs> hey, uncle, blah, blah, blah. Um. This is Dan Hodge. You know, your uh, black uh, nephew, you know what I'm saying, with with a smiley, happy face, LOL, the whole nine, right? And I was like, hey, I want to get yeah. together fishing. You know, it took about three or four days to respond. And then this morning I get a text and was just like, 
how do you know I don't have other black, you know, nephews? You know, I've been reading your book and you seems that you disdain white people. And, you know, I don't know if I want to go, you know, fishing with you because like, you know, we don't really know each other and you don't really know me. And I'm like, where the hell did this come from? And I'm just like, all right, yeah. I'm done with that area. I am done. My focus right now is on working with ethnic minorities, empowering mm. them and helping them in what they got to do, man. It's like most white folks don't get it and don't want to get it. And I'm not sure what to do with that, but I know it's not my job to figure it out. And so that's mm. kind of exactly where I'm at right now. To put it in a nutshell. Well, thank you for for this frank and, and open conversation. This has been a fascinating uh, journey into to where you are and, and the work that you've done. And, and you know, back to that first question, the, the current state of ministry with young mm. people. Um, this, it's always a blessing to talk with you. Uh, and I, I'm just really grateful for, uh, for you being on the show. So. Absolutely, brother. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. And for those listening, you know, whitehodge.com. If you want to hear more about what I got to say in some of my rants, whitehodge.com. But Dave, thank you so much for having me. And, uh, this, I've always enjoyed what you and, and the good folks at, at Faith Forward have been doing, man. Keep it up. Oh, thank you for your support. Thanks for tuning in to the Faith Forward podcast series. If you want to learn more from creative thinkers and innovative leaders, be sure to subscribe or visit faith-forward.net.